Hello and welcome to the podcast of TechU. I am your host, Andrew Degler, and in this special episode, I am going to play a few fragments of a panel discussion on fundraising in times of crisis. This one was organized in early May by Nastasia Savina of One Step to Market, and it featured, among others, our founding editor, Robin Wouters. Now, I have heard a bunch of really good thoughts and pieces of advice in this panel, and this is why I would like to share some of it with you today. First, let me introduce the panelists. Uh, we've got Claire Munk, uh, the CEO of B Angels and board member of Business Angels Europe, based in Belgium. Then we've got Philippe Colombel, uh, the co-founder and managing partner at Partech, based in Paris. Then there is Dmitry Kalaev, the head of acceleration at uh, IIDF, based in Russia. Uh, then there is Inka Miro, founder and managing partner of Voima Ventures in Finland. And as I said, our editor Robin Wouters also was there. Now let us start with Robin's introduction on what is actually going on with the VC landscape in Europe, or at least what we at TechEU can see now from our own data. So you're right, uh, we analyze the European technology industry, we keep track of transactions, funding, exit deals, uh, valuations whenever we can uh, get our hands on them. So we have a pretty good historical view of how Europe was doing. And you're absolutely right. Uh, until very recently, the sky was very, very blue. Uh, we were hitting record numbers. Um, you know, the sentiment was good. The valuations were healthy. Um, in different corners of Europe, we could see activity picking up, uh, which was great. Um, some, some couple of really, really big uh, market leading companies coming out of Europe, etc. Um, so we're on a trajectory quite slowly, maybe in comparison to some other regions in the world, but we were definitely up and to the right uh, until this pandemic. Now, first of all, I will say that any analysis or any deep um, thoughts or deep uh, statistics on what is happening now is really, really very preliminary because we're only at the very, very beginning of uh, the pandemic and the crisis that, that unfolds because of it. Um, it's very, very, very early to draw any big conclusions on what the effect is going to be on either the early stage funding or late stage or the funding ecosystem as a whole. Um, but of course, it's going to have a tremendous amount of pressure on uh, across stages, uh, across regions, across sectors, um, as we all know. So there's, um, there's no point in being very optimistic. There's also no point in being very pessimistic because uh, so far we haven't really seen um, a, a massively dramatic um, slowdown. Um, if you want, I can give you some numbers. Keep in mind that I just said that they're very, very preliminary. So what we do is we keep track um, every week of, um, you know, which companies raise funding. So there's three indicators that we really want to track. That is the number of funding deals that we track, the total investment volume, means the total capital that actually goes to startups, and the total amount of exit deals, meaning mergers, uh, acquisitions, but also IPOs. Um, so if you look at the statistics in January, which is typically, by the way, a very slow month, they were super healthy. Like we were again on the trajectory to hitting a record quarter. Uh, so we had about 270 funding deals um, in the month. We had uh, almost 6 um, billion euros raised. Um, can you imagine 6 billion raised in one month uh, and 80 M&A deals uh, and IPOs tracked for the for the month of January? Uh, and that number has dropped. Um, just to give you an idea, um, we just uh, finished April, so I can give you a month-to-month -month, uh, drop from January to April. Uh, the amount of funding deals that we tracked dropped by 18.5%, which is relatively okay, uh, given the circumstances. Uh, but if you look at the total investment volume, that one has dropped by 37.4%, um, uh, which is quite a significant drop. And if you count out the deal um, that 
um, take away, um, just raised a, a whole lot of money, but that was in connection to, to the Just Eat transaction. So it's a quite of a different beast. Um, we actually look at, uh, at a 50% um, drop down uh, in terms of uh, total investment volume. Uh, the same number, so 50% uh, slowdown when it comes to exit transactions. So this is very preliminary. It's it's far too soon to draw any big conclusions from these numbers, but it does show that it's a very, very clear slowdown. And I think it's mostly visible in the early stages. I think, you know, after the summer and maybe by the end of the year, we'll have a better view on, on what this actually means for the ecosystem and what the numbers actually translate to. But we, we all see the headlines. We all see the companies, the likes of Uber and, and Airbnb uh, laying off tremendous amounts of people. Uh, we all hear the stories about investors, um, you know, taking a step back, even though they're stay, they're open for business. A lot of them are taking a step back to sort of reevaluate the market based on, on the circumstances, based on their portfolio performance and, and which sector they're in. Um, so it, it's far too soon to draw any big conclusions, but that there's a massive slowdown going on is absolutely um, already the case and already visible in the numbers. So I'll leave it at that for now. Okay. Interesting, you mentioned that... Uh... This is Nastasia Savina, the moderator. It is most noticed about the early stages because it looks like in America, you know, things are a bit different because uh, later stages are influenced by the, by the public market. And uh, uh, since the whole um, Dow Jones and, you know, all other public markets, they fell like 30 from 25 to 30% of the largest economies, that uh, influences the later stages of startup development, but not uh, the early stages. You know, the pitch book wrote it. I was so surprised myself. So what do you feel, um, Claire? Is it, um, does this uh, cautious attitude, does it correspond to what other angels are feeling across Europe? Or is it, what's the attitude, what's the mood in the angel community? Yes, uh, well, I'll probably start with what I know best, which is uh, probably Belgium at the moment. And I think that for the moment, angels are still open for business. And this is Claire Munch from The Angels. I think to go back to Robin's, uh, to, to Robin's point, um, I think obviously uh, there is some caution because we, we cannot really anticipate right now what will be the full consequences of the crisis. But really, there are you know, two, two situations. There are those angels that already have portfolio companies and that have been extremely active in helping them to prepare new business plans, anticipate how they could survive through the crisis, and you know, helping them to be more cautious and uh, helping them to understand that things will probably be rough for a couple of, uh, of long months. Um, and then there are those angels that, you know, are looking at new deals. And what I, what I see is that uh, there is still, the majority of our angels are still very enthusiastic because, uh, well, one of their motivations is to help startups. And I think that, you know, this is a time where, you know, startups uh, clearly are, are demanding support and help. Uh, and we've shifted uh, from, a, from a demand market to a supply market, as you've said in the introduction. Anastasia. So um, I think that they're still enthusiastic. A few of them, of course, you know, are, are being much more cautious. But in general, and this is what we've witnessed in previous crises as well, um, that the angel uh, community is, uh, you know, acts in a very counter-cyclical manner. So uh, when the markets are down, uh, then this is where really they can uh, be active and, um, and be dynamic. And I think this is what we're seeing with some variety across Europe. 
Now let us turn to the VC side of things and hear the take of Philippe Colombel of Partech on what's actually happening in the VC community these days. I think we need to step back a bit uh, because it's a very different crisis. That's my third crisis as a general partner of a firm. And uh, it's a very, very different crisis from the one of 2001 and 2008. Just to give you a perspective to complement what Robin says, which is, by the way, very true, there is a slowdown. But in 2008, when the, VC, uh, when the crisis began, in 2008, VCs had raised in Europe around 7 billion and about the same in 2007. In 2018 and 2019, uh, uh, the VCs have raised in Europe 13 billion. And for the first quarter of 2020, the VC raised another 7 billion. That means that the VC in Q1 2020 raised more than for the entire year of 2008, which means that there is still a lot of dry powders within the VC. And that's very comforting. The second element that you need to, we need to really speak about is the quality of the entrepreneur. And I have been personally amazed by the quality of the, of the entrepreneurs. 100% of my portfolio had a plan four days after the confinement. Within 10 days, they had almost the, the new business plan. And within three weeks, most of them had found uh, grants, subsidies, loans, convertible. We have been extremely helpful. We put some equity at stake, but I repeat, it can't be compared with what happened in 2001. The entrepreneurs were very young, the VC were inexperienced, and they blame each other. In 2008, there was no maturity, but no money available. This time, there is both money and a huge majority. Third aspect to be considered is the quality of the startups. Most of the companies that I see have very, very sound business models, which means that, in my view, what's going to happen? First, I agree with Claire, business angels are ready to invest, but probably the seed VCs are going to be a bit cautious. On the early stage, given the runways that most of the European startups have, I would say that on average, startups have between 14 and 18 months of runway. I don't see any dramatic impact. What is sure is that as, as most of the VC can't travel for the time being, there, there is a, a downsizing of international deals, meaning that VCs to, to invest closer to their own because they just can't travel, which, we, which automatically decreases the supply of money. But I think over time, this will be, uh, this will be overcome. Uh, third, third aspect, uh, given what I see on the NASDAQ and what I see uh, on the growth stage, I think it will take time on the growth stage for valuation to adjust. You need to take into account that it's true that the, the market have declined, but for the time being, the NASDAQ is almost as high as it was mid-December. There has been almost no crisis in the tech sector for the time being. There is huge amount of money in growth, which means that all, all in all, what I see, slowdown in seed, uh, a kind of 
national retrenchment in early stage, but that will, that will be temporary. And I see the growth stage less act- affected than it was in the last crisis. Are things any different in the Nordics then? Here comes in Camera of Voima Ventures. Uh, Nordics and Baltic region as a whole, I think, has been really booming in terms of a tech and startups during the last 10 years. You know, we've, we've spoken about startup miracle and, and, you know, all of this cultural, but also growth driven, uh, uh, let's say, uh, economic impact, what, what has happened here. And, and the markets are very different. I would say Finland is very technology centric, less of a B2C uh, digital services, whereas Sweden, for example, is one of the leaders in, in such domains. And, and Sweden, obviously, is, is one of the biggest, let's say, uh, VC markets here. I think they, they, it alone is something somewhere between four to six billion uh, in, in terms of a capital raise, as, as well as uh, with, in terms of a investment volume. Finland is, is smaller as our, our Baltics and, and, and rest of the Nordic countries. And Obviously, in, in this part of the world, uh, we're quite dependent on international investors. So these pan-European or global huge funds who've invested into our gaming sector or our deep tech sector, anything from wearables to, to satellite technologies. And I, uh, we're kind of a, I'm part of a working group, which is kind of a looking into the data, trying to understand really the actual impact of the COVID. And uh, basically, during the last financial crisis, 2008, basically most of that international funding disappeared. Uh, currently, our estimation that the gap will be somewhere between, let's say, 400 to 600 million on a yearly basis, which represents fairly substantial part of the, let's say, yearly volume of the investments here in, 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 in my country. Obviously, there are ways to mitigate that. We have a altogether more than, let's say, 10,000 startups in this overall region. And obviously, the entrepreneurs are doing basically uh, what entrepreneurs are supposed to do on tough times. So they're adjusting their plans and revising their budgets and selling more and all of that. We, as, as early stage and pre-seed VCs, we obviously spend a lot of time with our portfolio companies trying to make sure that they succeed and all of that. And then... In some fields, it's a bit easier to sell if you're selling, you know, on a, on a face-to-face online meeting, some sort of a service. It's a bit of a different thing than if you're selling a next-generation water filter. But coming back to where we are compared to other European um, markets, I would say that we're also seeing a similar angel investment activity. We have the highest per capita number of angels in, in, in Europe. However, we expect that part also to slow down maybe 20 to 30% during this year. There is a probably some counter-cyclical activity as mentioned by, by Claire, but uh, on the other hand, many angel in- investors are somewhat dependent on liquid assets. And even though the stock market has almost climbed back, also angels need to re- uh, reserve money to their existing portfolios. In the VC side, uh, there's a lot of dry powder, as mentioned, and that's a very good analysis. We need to remember that that money from the funds isn't disappearing anywhere. But in the early stage, I think the hesitance and maybe the slowdown of the investments is coming also from the fact that investors, VCs, were looking obviously for the best possible deals. And as you know, they're, you know, the big funding rounds aren't coming together as quickly, 
you know, there is a certain level of uh, both negotiation ongoing, but also we're looking the companies really to secure that 24 months runway, maybe not that 14 to 18, which used to be the old normal. So I think we're looking for a longer runway. So altogether, uh, no major crises yet, uh, but as the typical startup runway has been shorter, I would say, based on the questionnaires and all of this, what we've done in the community, that maybe 30% of the companies will run out of money within next six to nine months if the situation will continue. And, and in terms of a measures, what I'd like to comment is that obviously we've seen For example, UK government coming up to the market very quickly with their convertible uh, note program, uh, which leverages 50% public money and 50% private. This kind of instruments we're also building here in in the Nordics to look uh, and and to fill the gap of the international investors, not the private investors of ECs as such from the local point of view. And Sweden, again, Sweden has taken a very different approach on COVID altogether you know, keeping the society open, kids have been going to the school all the time and all of that. I, th- I don't think they're taking such a big economical hit. And, and here the big question, of course, is like, if your business is very B2B dependent uh, and you're not able to travel, um, you know, there is a, some part of the business that will suffer. So I think one of the key questions is like building a bit of a vertical or industry-specific analysis, which um, are the short and longer term impacts of, of, of the crisis, understand that how will that, you know, in real life influence the business of your portfolio company. So talking about this vertical industries, uh, which you mentioned, what do you think might be the, I assume that your focus has changed because, you know, some vertical, some industries suffered more, some less. Do you feel that uh, some industries or areas of which you underestimated before are now becoming the first priority? And this is actually the question to all of you. Yeah, so it's an excellent question. And we, we very quickly started to work on short-term and longer-term micro and macro analysis and looking at trends and opportunities. But we're a deep tech fund. We invest into startups with a strong scientific foundation, really these world-changing uh, disruptive technologies. And in that respect, that hasn't changed at all. Actually, more of a so, we actually believe that these companies have even more opportunities going forward. But what we see uh, in our first funds portfolio, most affected are automotive-related technologies, industry-related solutions. For example, if you do an uh, inspection um, technology or, or camera for um, big factories, you know, it's really difficult to deploy them or sell them currently. So these automotive and industry-related um, companies are, are very much affected, as are companies selling, let's say, detection technologies or security solutions for white spaces and, and commercial venues. So that's a very clearly a, an area that is strongly impacted. And then again, like you have uh, health-related diagnostics companies, uh, biotech, which is really kind of a gaining even more earlier traction than in, in the old world. So those, those are the immediate impacts. But in a way, you know, in, if in the fundamental level, the idea of the startup and the company is good and they're doing, you know, building the company in the right manner, I, I think this will be a kind of a bump in the road and you will kind of grow to become even stronger for, for, for the next phase. 
If I may, just a, a, a quick comment, and this is sort of parroting uh, what Fred Destin uh, said on our podcast, uh, but I thought it was a really good comment. Um, if you're an investor and you're now chasing the companies that are actually doing well in this sort of environment, you're in online education or in healthcare, bringing uh, medical professional closest to patients or in online entertainment and streaming, you're sort of chasing the things that were already developing into, into something, something quite healthy. So if I was a VC or an angel investor, you know, whatever the stage, um, I'd be looking at the technologies that are going to be important when we get out of this crisis. And the, these might be completely different than the ones that are actually booming now. You know, the video conferencing tools and the, the online consultations and all that, they were already sort of coming up. That is no longer, that is not the investing in the future. In my opinion, you now need to look at the sectors that are going to change dramatically and where the opportunities for very small companies um, compared to incumbents are going to come from. And those might be completely different than the ones that are booming now. Yeah, but if I, if I may, I think, um, you know, it's one of the things that angel investors love is to invest in disruption and innovation. I think that some of the companies are doing really well right now, for example, in ed tech, as you mentioned, uh, Robin, or in e-delivery of bioproducts or whatever, are companies in which our angels have invested, you know, three to five years ago, uh, where, you know, it was a bit early sometimes for the market. And now, you know, it's, it's, it's really uh, booming. So um, I think... If I go back to the hot sectors that our angels are looking at at the moment, um, I think, of course, anything digital in education, and that's, that's obviously an important one. Uh, I think fintech and, you know, solutions, uh, platforms or uh, solutions that are going to help provide solutions for private individuals or SMEs, I think that uh, that would be quite interesting. And um, in terms of um, health also, uh, Be Angel members have been, have been investing in about 20% of the portfolio is in, in the health sector. Uh, and we we have felt in the recent years that that was growing, and I think that this is going. To, it's it's a growing trend. We're really seeing that the first actually deals that we have closed this year are the majority of them are in health. And when I talk about health, is from biotech uh, to e-health to medical devices. Actually, one of our deals closed a 125 million dollar round um, a couple of weeks ago during during COVID. So uh, I think at least these are are three sectors that are that are really interesting at the moment uh, for the angels. I think the last comment I would make is that uh, if we look at maybe how the COVID has impacted angel deals at the moment, for sure, because at least we as an angel group, we, have, we also have different uh, instruments and vehicles for different uh, parts of the supply chain. So we have tools for student entrepreneurs. So we go to look for the deals very, very early on at the universities, but we also have uh, seed funds, and we are we are currently uh, doing the back office for about 22 investment uh, vehicles. And what we see is that the way uh, the COVID has impacted the, the the choice of investors is that they're much more looking at you know must have solutions probably, and this is going to be the priority. You know what type of problem are you really solving? And what we've experienced as a health and sanitary crisis is having the angels really focus on that. And I think that's probably the deals that are going to suffer, quote-unquote, or have a harder time to close are, you know, notwithstanding the quality of the entrepreneurs, those who have, you know, solutions or technologies that are nice to have, but, you know, are not corresponding really to um, the anxiety or, you know, the, the, the solution level that is expected right now from, from angels. And now it is time to hear from the last panelist, Dmitry Kalaev from Russia's IIDF Fund. 
Uh, as about uh, Russia, uh, actually we have additional crisis effects because uh, uh, oil price goes down and Russian currency is getting weaker. And it means that Russian VCs and angels like startups with revenue in euro or in dollars. And uh, many Russian investors looking for opportunity outside, or outside of the Russia. And uh, actually, uh, if we talk about the crisis, crisis is the best time for investment because we have a lot of new opportunity. And I think that uh, startup estimation will go down. If we talk about uh, angels in Russia and uh, VCs in Russia, on the other hand, uh, business angels uh, also have his own businesses. And they uh, became short of money because they have to save their own businesses. Uh, and they don't have enough money for, for new investment. They are trying to save his own businesses and uh, trying to save his previous investment. Some of uh, Russian VCs... Uh, can't attract money from uh, LPs, and they uh, also short of money. And this is why not so many investors are still active at this time. Some of investors have money, but uh, they taken a waiting position. And uh, if we talk about uh, new priorities in this moment, from my, uh, fr from my perspective, the first priority is cash is king. Uh, profitability today is better than uh, so some, some promising future. Uh, you can't predict when fundraising uh, will become easy, again, uh, like it was before the coronavirus, and you need to be profitable right now if you can, or you know, save you money for, for as long period as you can. Uh, also, uh, what, uh, what I see, everybody cut his expenses. It means that your product has to be very useful uh, in the must-have uh, category. If your product just a vitamin, you need to pivot your product into a drug for every day uh, because it can't save uh, your revenue and user base. And now I would like to fast forward sort of to my favorite part of any panel of this kind, and that is the advice for startups raising money in this challenging landscape. First, when starting companies, I think it's super difficult as investors all around the table to predict what would work. What is sure is that there will be a shift, in shift in, in two directions at least. I fully agree that looking at what works now is not helpful. But looking at will certainly work less in the future is very helpful. Let's, let's give an example. Uh, long distance B2B travel is probably going to change. Uh, B2B travel is going to change. Uh, people will probably travel less. That means I will, we are evaluating the options, not that much on what is going to be, to benefit from the crisis, but probably from the industries that are going to suffer from the crisis and not from the current crisis, but of the consequences of the crisis. And that would be my first advice. Be sure to really, to really look at the industry you, you want to be in. Second element, don't cut product cost. You need to invest in product now. The war for talent is not going to disappear. And I think the advice that we give to all of our, our startups, invest in your product now, invest in technology. 
avoid as much as possible to lay off any people in these domains. And because, because there is money on the table, the best companies are going to hire from you the best talent, and it, you will be, it will be a nightmare in six months. Third advice, try to look at what could be lasting consequences. Uh, it's very difficult to, to, to imagine, but, uh, and uh, I like to work on, uh, on concepts or others and on, on small ideas. For example, the emergence of what has been described as an appointment society, where people before meeting or before I take appointments more and more, as they did with doctors. And when you look at uh, as push doctor, when you look at Dr. Lieb, that has been huge success. But appointment, an appointment economy could be, let's say, how to say, to describe, more popular in many, in many industries. Also, uh, I would encourage people at looking at what could be a, a low-touch society where people are slightly more distant. And I think it creates tremendous opportunities for the new entrepreneurs. As regards as regard the existing startup, what I will advise them to do, to go after all the grants and subsidies. As Robin says, there are tons in Europe, convertibles, uh, bank, uh, mandatory bank loans. You can gain at least six months of runway if you are smart which make up the gap that Inca, Inca described, you get, you get back to 24 months. Second advice, look at, uh, if you are in a very early stage, go to uh, VCs that are closer to your home. Third advice, go to VCs, not what I would say the more amateurish investors, the people that get in, get out. For example, what is clear in the market for the time being, family offices. Uh, corporate VCs are by nature more prudent in such a crisis than a VC. It's your, our day in life is, is, is to invest. We can slow down for three months. We can slow down for five months. We can't slow down for a year. Family offices uh, or uh, hedge funds or corporate VCs, they are, they are as we speak, reevaluating re their long-term involvement in the VC industry. Okay, thank you. Um, Inka, do you have anything to add to this? Some practical yeah. advice to startups? You know? Yeah, so uh, immediately when they started, and I have a lot of uh, my uh, portfolio companies working on various you know, businesses across China, and basically it was very obvious what, what would happen. And, and uh, we started to basically uh, work with our teams very early on. And I think the key point here is really the people. You, you know, making sure that people feel safe, uh, they can work remotely, they're being also supported. You know, not everyone adapted that well to this remote, thing, remote working. People have families and all of this. So, you know, kind of a supporting your key asset, <laughs> asset which is really the, the people that you, you have in your company to make sure that you, you have a future. But then... Going forward, uh, it really depends on the stage and the industry of the company. To give you a few examples, uh, one of uh, uh, companies that I'm in, founder investor uh, is works in area of e-commerce search, and obviously e-commerce is is booming now, but not in all sectors. So in a way, 
basically what we started to work on, on like, you know, category analysis and following very quickly, like what kind of opportunities there are. So you kind of have to pivot your sales team very quickly, even though your churn wouldn't go down, but you still may have to kind of attract the customers with a different model. So the kind of a day-to-day sales work of your big global sales team had to, had to change. And then we have a company who's developing protein out of uh, eating, feeding uh, bacteria uh, CO2 from, from solar energy uh, by using solar energy. So, you know, they're building a factory, you know, nothing changes. It's more like you just make people, keep people safe. So in, in this respect, Obviously, the short-term capabilities and how quickly the team is able to adjust is, is one thing. And you adapt, you use all those monetary instruments and so forth and so be it. Then here, I, I would also say that uh, if you look uh, a bit step ahead, obviously, we're going to see a change in the society. And, and one thing for sure is that, you know, for example, if we look through robotization or automation, obviously... Uh, the businesses and companies are going to invest even more to that in the future to make sure that we can keep our production going without human in interference. We're going to see a huge investment in national uh, capacities relating to health tech. So there is just the question, like, I think the country level dependency on other countries is going to decrease in this respect. And, and that's going to be a lot of business opportunities in the long term. I think the biggest surprises might be in the areas, for example, relating to mobility. And, and we, we all were, let's say, looking that the future will be, you know, people not owning cars or anything like this. And suddenly we have a pandemic and people don't necessarily want to use a public transportation. So my point here is that with the short-term scenario work, which every business leader is supposed to do in the startup or in a bigger company, that's one thing. But then this long-term megatrend understanding megatrend understanding is 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 really the key and and uh, maybe my advice um on on for, for all of the companies is that as as said here by dimitri it's you you need to build a growth story or or, or be in a growth trajectory in order to be an appealing uh, target for any investor so i think the time for this we're, i think we're going to see less of these huge pure tech play uh, investment rounds. So, you know, these tech stories will disappear. It'll be more of the time of, you know, practical applications and solutions and, and people adapting the technology to day-to-day to, to -day lives. So these would be my comments. Thank you. Thank you, Inka. Yeah, I'm just putting myself in the startup's shoes uh, as I am in startup's shoes. I can imagine it's um, pretty conflicted instructions, you know, to save cash. Leave people, do not, do, not, do not lose people, and grow, pivot. Oh, my God, it's a very, it's a crazy feat, you know. It's a very difficult task that they have at hand, but what would you do? Claire, can you um, suggest anything to startup, you know, some practical advice, something that was not mentioned before? Yeah, sure. So to add on all the good advices that were given, um, so maybe a, a practical advice for the startups, uh, that are currently uh, raising money, um, I think in their pitches, they should definitely address the COVID situation. And I'm saying that only because I have, uh, we, we see, uh, you know, uh, so many pitches and, and recently I've been surprised, you know, when pitches just didn't mention, like, uh, is there, what's the impact of the current uh, COVID situation? 
Um, sometimes it has, you know, a, a positive impact, but you're not even mentioning it. Uh, and some, sometimes, you know, we would expect that, for example, if you're in a particular domain that mixes, you know, for example, uh, yeah, tourism or mobility or whatever, we know there's a huge impact. Uh, I think you should anticipate the question for investors to say, how is this current situation impacting your business? Is it creating opportunities? Is it creating some delays? Are, are you able to measure those delays? Are you able to uh, put some costs uh, near those delays? So that I think that would be one advice, you know, don't forget to mention it. You know, it's big, we, you know, we all know it's there. And, and the second thing is valuations. We touched upon valuations uh, very briefly. This could be the topic of a whole webinar. But, uh, you know, last year, um, we, we facilitated, I think, about 35 rounds of financing uh, with our angel group. And most of it, uh, for the first time in, in many years, was uh, refinancing of companies in which our angels had already invested. One of the reasons why was that the angels felt that the valuations were extremely high uh, compared to uh, the stage of development of the companies, you know, the current turno turnover, if there was one. And I think that's a point of attention. We've seen a number of startups already last year spending a very long time raising money just because the valuations were just inadequate compared to you know, the, the market uh, status, their stage of development, their KPIs and comparables. And I think that is going to be aggravated in a sense by this crisis. And I think that we already feel that fundraising might take a bit longer. We're doing everything we can. I think, as Philippe said, you know, when it's your day-to-day -day job as an angel group, what we're trying to do is make sure that our angels you know, continue to meet the startups and you know, do their own due diligence and take investment decisions. But, you know, the fact that you can't meet uh, sometimes causes some delays. And I think that uh, startups have to be very uh, careful that, as we said during the introduction, uh, the money's there, but uh, the situation has changed and uh, uh, there, there will be a lot of demand. I think um, angels and other investors will be looking for the best entrepreneurs, uh, first of all, and uh, will be probably pretty challenging and even more so than before on valuations. Uh, so that's something to take into account uh, probably more than before, whether valuations are, are, are correct uh, mm -hmm. for the startups or, or will it create a longer, even longer delay for them to raise? But okay. Yeah, may, maybe also uh, I always tell to the entrepreneurs that digitalization is going to accelerate, not to slow down. And it's a huge opportunity in the midterm. Uh, what is interesting is that what the first statistics that we see out of China is that the trends of e-commerce software is faster of the COVID than it was before the COVID. I'm not speaking about the COVID period. There, there has been a huge growth. But after the confinement in China, it's further accelerating compared to pre-COVID situation, which means in my view, it will be very different from 2001, very different to 2008, B2C or B2B, back to consulting, back to banking. It's over. I am very, very optimistic in the midterm. Yeah, sorry. Can I, can I maybe just add one more thing to the, 
to learn because this was really good advice, but I'm quietly, I'm, I'm sort of disagreeing with one of the things that was said about uh, downsizing in, in startups. And the reason for that is that I, if you look at the US, they usually um, approach things more aggressively. They're more aggressive in sales. They go faster in product development. They hire a lot faster. They also downsize a lot faster. Um, this is also because they can. So it's a part of the legislation and, and culture as well. Uh, but I fear sometimes European startups are not fast enough in, in, in cutting down uh, to, to a more healthy size because of this crisis. It's a crisis, so sometimes you don't have the option. Sometimes it's also accelerating something you should have already done, you know, kind of focus on, on a certain product and cut out sort of the, the things you were experimenting with, maybe cutting down on sales because there's nothing to sell at the moment. Just, you know, I, I, I fear sometimes they're being too careful. There was a survey for Belgian startups that said like 50% fear that they might run out of cash by September and only 75% is thinking about laying off uh, even one person. So I'm thinking if you wait, if you wait until the end of September, then you're not going to have anyone to employ because you're going to be out of business. So what's the point? I have to comment here. I think it's really dependent. If you have a second time or third time time uh, serial entrepreneur, they will cut costs. So I think it's a question of experience. You know, what is the generation of entrepreneur uh, that is is building that that company? And Robin, mm -hmm. I mentioned product and tech team. I didn't say at all that you shouldn't uh, cut costs in your sales team. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you can't cut yes, costs uh, in sales, you can't cut yeah. costs in product. Yeah. No, but I, I fully agree that uh, what we've seen in the, in the portfolio companies, our angels, as Philippe said, were said, you know, you focus on product, this is a good time to have customer feedback. Uh, put all you know all your teams have to develop the product which you know sometimes is uh, you don't focus enough because if you can't sell or you can't sell that much then this is where your focus should go and that's a wrap this is it for our today's episode thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed it i hope you found something good and useful for you please help us spread the word tell a friend or colleague about the show and follow our updates on twitter at tech underscore eu also of course huge thanks to nastasia savina for sharing the recording of this discussion with us Audio engineering for this podcast is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Please feel free to email us with any questions, suggestions, and opinions at podcast at techeu. Enjoy the rest of your week, and I'm going to talk to you next Monday. Bye-bye.